Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Perhaps you've missed the memo, but Beaverton is where it's at. Yes, Beaverton, the previously sleepy suburb in Washington County, smaller than its neighbor Hillsborough, is suddenly home to a slew of new bars and restaurants. Oh, and a performing arts center. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, we have our largest ever podcast panel. We invited Andre Meunier, Grant Butler, and Michael Russell to talk about all things Beaverton. Andre is our beer writer and breaking news editor. Grant is an editor who's written about food for decades for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. And Michael Russell is our food critic. We talked about why Beaverton has so many new bars and restaurants, what Portland's woes have to do with it, how the pandemic factored into the expansions, and much more. Here's our conversation. Andre Meunier, Michael Russell, Grant Butler, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be here. Thanks for having us, Andrew Thien. This is a, a first on the Beat Check podcast, a four-person pod. Uh, this could get kind of wild. It looks like around the horn. <laughs> it does. <laughs> We're going to be dropping sports takes uh, left and right, right, Grant? <laughs> uh No. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a big occasion, though. Uh, that That's why I turn to you three experts, because you had a just an incredible package that I would not have seen coming a few years ago. And it was all about that big, beautiful suburb to the west of Portland, Beaverton. How did this come about? Well, Michael and I have different recollections of it. He thinks it started with beer, and I think it started with restaurants and He's usually right, so we're going to go with beer. I think I was just trying to give Andre work, as usual. <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm generally just sitting over here drinking beer, not really <laughs> doing much. So I just, all right, I'll write a story about Beaverton beer. What, what do you want to tell me? And there we went. So Beaverton beer uh, is not something that a phrase that probably a lot of people were banding about five years ago. What was the state of the beer world out in Beaverton then? And what is it today? Well, as I wrote in my story, uh, which you can find at OregonLive.com slash beer, Brandon's Brewery and Pub opened up in what, Michael, 2014, I want to say? Sounds right. It was there for about a year and nobody went. And it closed and nobody went to Beaverton to drink any beer for about five years and four or five years. And then in 2019, uh, Big's Chicken opened, or it might have been 2018 or somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And Ex Novo Brewery of North Portland uh, thought, huh, maybe something's going to happen out there. And they opened a pizza pub right across the street from Big's Chicken. And it did pretty well. Next thing we know, Loyal Legion has opened right across the street from Ex Novo. Uh, Binary Brewing is building a brand new big old brewery and tap room down the street. Breakside is building, is getting ready to build a big complex of a restaurant, a 
tap room and outdoor patio and a food cart pod. Uh, there's the raindrop tap room. There's central station taps. There's BG's speakeasy. There's just all sorts of stuff going on there now. That's a lot. And it doesn't just start or end with beer, right, Michael? I mean, where, where there's beer, there must be food. And there's a lot of food that uh, has found its way out to to Beaverton as well. Yeah. And last November, Andre was covering the opening of Loyal Legion's Beaverton location. And I happened to be coming back from the coast. And I met him there and we toured the space. And I looked around and I knew vaguely that you know, sizzle pie was going out there. The Sudra was going out there. But as I looked around, I realized there was, you know, maybe a dozen new restaurants. Uh, the majority of them were popular Portland restaurants. I named a few, but also Top Burmese. There's a mm-hmm. whole bowl over there. And as Andre said, it kind of all started with um, Big's Chicken. There, there were restaurants in downtown Beaverton. Nakwan has been there for 20 plus years. DeCarly has been there for 15 years, give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the round, uh, there's a Mingo that's been there for 18 years. So there's been restaurants in downtown Beaverton. But if you go there now, uh, you know, you'd hardly recognize the place. Uh, every single storefront has a pretty new restaurant. There's, ca- you know, cafes that are pouring coffee from some of Portland Best Roasters. There's uh, like Lionheart. There's Syndicate Wine Bar. There's Boba um, tea shops on every corner. Um And in addition to that, the city of Beaverton during the pandemic built out this whole pedestrian plaza in their restaurant row. So you can go there, you can sit in the street, there's a kid's play area. Um, And what was supposed to be my sort of sidebar that was going to be like, here are the eight restaurants that have come to Beaverton, ended up becoming this massive 30 restaurant restaurant guide. (laughs) Yeah, once you've devoured all the beer content, move to dining. And then uh, and then move to uh, I think Grant's story is also on dining, but yeah, I'll pass it back to you. Well, let's go back to Grant because Grant is the lone resident of the West Side here, um, and also obviously Grant, you have been writing about food for uh, decades at the Oregon forever, <laughs> forever. <laughs> so um, before we kind of dig into some of the the plant based stuff you you wrote about in the the dining guide, just. What's it been like for you to, as a resident of Beaverton, to to see how things have changed? And mind you, this is all happening during a pandemic, too. Yeah, I moved out to Beaverton in 2017, and I feel like I've been an eyewitness to all of the changes that have happened on the in the food and drink scene out here. Um, I'm a big fan of the Beaverton Farmers Market on Saturday mornings, and to get to that which that market, which is just to the south of downtown, you would have to drive through this really dreary, depressing kind of central Beaverton downtown area that was there was just not a lot happening. You know, there was DeCarly and and Nick Wong and a couple of other places but yeah it was kind of this it was this kind of this sad downtown and then in like 2019 all of that started to change and that's when you know big's chicken came and that's when uh, syndicate wine bar opened and uh, you know beaverton has long been a place for dependable thai and indian food but in terms of the kind of the 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 finer dining and the and the some of the marquee Portland places those have all arrived in just the last few years and it's been really interesting to see the the downtown now has a lot of energy and excitement happening that just wasn't there when I moved out here five years ago. Sorry to tag on to that, Andrew. Uh, speaking as a non Beaverton, non West Side resident, I had never been to downtown Beaverton because I don't think there was ever really a reason to go, and then the uh, 
the pandemic happened. And so that was two years when all this was, you know, being developed and built out. And I didn't go then because I wasn't going many places at all. And so when Loyal Legion opened up, I can't remember when it was now, I think in the fall, uh, I went out there and I was like, wow, this is very cool. Um, you know, just tons of places. It reminds me a little bit of how quickly the Vancouver waterfront has developed in the past two or three years as well. And that's kind of become a hotbed. Um, so I, I don't know if there's a theme here, but maybe the theme is that the, the suburbs are on a roll. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you brought up Vancouver. I mean, Vancouver is what the fourth largest city in, in the state of Washington or something like that. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a large city, whereas Beaverton is what ninety, roughly ninety thousand people. I mean, is there something else going on here, or is this just, you know, why is this happening? I can speak to that a little bit. Um, I believe it is the seventh largest city in Oregon, Beaverton. Um, they uh, so about five years ago, the city really consciously decided that it wanted to set out and revitalize its downtown, and probably. Uh, uh, just looking at what Portland's done the past 10 and 15 years, they decided to do that through restaurants. Um, so what the city did um, was offer a pair of grants, um, a storefront improvement grant and a tenant improvement grant, uh, one for the outside of a business, one for the inside. Now, mm-hmm. any business roughly could apply for the storefront improvement, but what it was was a $50,000 matching grant where if you put up, I think it's $15,000, 30%, they would give you $50,000 and help you design a new storefront and help you with, uh, you know, that money can go toward construction costs. So um, that was a little enticing piece of bait uh, for, for restaurant owners. The second thing they did was they started cold calling Portland restaurants, uh, places you might have heard of like uh, – you know, the chef stable group or breweries like Ex Novo or Breakside and asking, hey, would you ever consider expanding? And if so, we have all this downtown real estate that's, you know, a lot of it was, you know, medical services or, you know, Christian bookstores or wellness centers or salons that, you know, maybe came or came and went every year or so and nothing was sticking. And you combine that with Portland restaurants kind of starting to grow big enough that they were looking beyond the city borders. Uh, uh, the past couple of years where, no one's really wanted to be downtown Portland has also helped push people to the suburbs. And then you also have developers. Um, there's a guy named Travis Henry out there who owns three or four of the buildings downtown uh, who's played a major role in this. Um, and that sort of led to this uh, fertile ground where you've seen a rush of dozens of new restaurants opening out there at a time where in Portland, we saw so many restaurants closing and including some of the biggest restaurants out in Beaverton, they just keep growing and growing and growing. And, uh, you know, that extends up to, uh, Cedar Hills crossing where they've attracted bamboo sushi and shake shack and salt and straw the round, which has got some new development, uh, especially the big Bee Gees food cartels, four years old, but, uh, you know, there's new development there, a new Hyatt hotel just continues to grow. Um, so it's, it's many different factors and, and for people who maybe don't want to go to downtown Portland, or especially if you already live on the West side, Going to Beaverton is very clean. There's a lot of outdoor dining. Uh, it feels very safe, and people seem to be having a lot of fun out there. 
There's one more big reason um, for people to come to Viberton, and that's the newly opened Patricia Research Center for the Arts, which just opened this spring. Its inaugural season is a really eclectic mix of international shows, as well as Portland arts groups like White Bird and Body Vox that are doing performances out here. Well, all those people that are going to those shows are going to be looking for places to eat. So, um, yeah, so that I think that there's there's um, kind of an added magnet for people coming out here, not just to, to see a show, but also to come get dinner as well. I don't know the level of detail uh, on Vancouver that Michael does on Beaverton in terms of the city's involvement, but I know for years, for decades, they've wanted to develop that waterfront and thought it was an underutilized space. Um, and what what had prevented that was that the railway uh, went right along the river. And so that kind of divided the waterfront off from uh, downtown Vancouver. Uh, it was just Portland. But a port space land. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> Not to be confused with that, but, that um, place across the river. You know, once they were able to broach, breach, brooch, brooch <laughs> the railway and they built underpasses that, that connected to the to the Columbia River, that seemed to be uh, the, you know, the sort of dam breaking, so to speak. And they put money into developing this vision for the waterfront. And it's, it's a really great space. But the whole thing all seems to be kind of a perfect storm where these suburbs are sinking money into these developments that are being done well or individual developments, as in Beaverton's case. Um, people seem to not really be wanting to go into downtown Portland right now with its with its struggles. And then people really actually wanting to go out now that the pandemic is, uh, you know, kind of at, at the stage it's at. So all that, I think, is sending people to these places and, and especially Beaverton. Just if I can jump in, the the downtown core that we wrote about uh, in all three of our um, uh, the, the our plant based or vegan dining guide, our beer guide, and my restaurant guide, that downtown core, it's really interesting. And I think people maybe who have never been there, they might not even know it's there. But um, Max comes in to Beaverton and. It stops at a place called uh, a development called the Round, which is like has a like a literal circle, circular square, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. It's a, pl- a round plaza that's been around for 20 years. There's restaurants around it, but if you go across uh, Oregon 8 and Oregon 10, these sort of twin highways that run right right through Central Beaverton uh, and are pretty dodgy to get across, there's this very walkable neighborhood extending from uh, Farmington Road down to um, you know, Allen Boulevard, which encompasses uh, lots of sort of quiet streets, many places that are restaurants or could be restaurants all the way down to sort of the library park and farmer's market on Saturdays, which is an exceptional uh, Oregon farmer's market. I mean, Grant can speak to this, but it's probably top two or three farmer's market uh, in the state. Uh, and, And several restaurants in central Beaverton started as farmer's market stalls. So, you know, I think they had this sort of jewel there that was a little bit hard to get to, uh, especially if you're coming from public transportation. Uh, and, and parking can still be an issue. I know we've heard about that from from locals. Um, but uh, they were able to get this critical mass of restaurants and draw attention to the fact that there was this walkable neighborhood that was sort of separated from things the same way uh, the Vancouver waterfront or, frankly, most uh, downtowns uh, in small towns in Oregon have been cut off by freeways or whatever. But, uh, you know, Grant, uh, as a resident, uh, did you go to downtown Beaverton often before all these restaurants started coming in? 
Yeah, I'm a pretty loyal patron of the farmer's market, so I would go down there most Saturday mornings um, pre-pandemic. I haven't been going as much since then, but um, yeah, it's a it's a great farmer's market. Uh, it's in a parking lot by the library, so it's not as pretty of a setting as the Saturday uh, Portland farmer's market, but it's it's one of the biggest in the state, and it's got a, a great range of growers and vendors, and it's a really fun place to go, and there's awesome knife sharpening uh, stations there. Uh, so you, it's worth dropping by and dropping off your knives while you go shopping for produce. Uh, so I was down there qu- quite a bit uh, for the market. Uh, but yeah, the just the, the dining scene, it's been so cool to see that materialize in the last few years. So it sounds like there are so many factors here at play, but really the city having the foresight years ago to put money on the table, kind of the timing was right along with the pandemic and people whether deliberately avoiding downtown Portland or just wanting to stay closer to home, now all those factors are are kind of coalescing to create this perfect storm. Yeah, and there was a bit of kismet there um, where the city of Beaverton, one of, one of the first people they called is uh, the Your Neighborhood Restaurant Group, which runs Laurelhurst Steakhouse, uh, uh, Big's Chicken, 808, and Reverend's uh, Barbecue down in Selwood. And they actually called and they were thinking, can you bring an 808 to this space on Farmington, uh, bring some Hawaiian food downtown from this, you know, kind of popular restaurant group. And they went and toured the space. And as they were there with sort of members of the downtown association and the city, they looked across the street and they saw this rubber stamp shop called the Peddler's Pack, Hmm. which had this cool old retro sort of like A-frame or almost V-frame or something restaurant. And they said, what's going on with that? And they're like, well, it's not available yet, but it will be soon. And right around that time, uh, that group's restaurant, Big's Chicken, which was had just sort of like burst in popularity in Portland, uh, literally caught fire and burned down. And they were looking for a second location. So they said, you know what, let's skip the uh, let's skip the Hawaiian place and let's put a Big's Chicken across the street. And that, I think, became kind of the proof of concept for everything that came after 2018. Ex Novo took over the space that they were originally looking at for the Hawaiian restaurant. And those two together, it was kind of like, oh, actually, people are coming out to eat here. They're willing to pay near Portland prices to eat quality food. And everything that's come kind of like that was, as I said, the proof of concept there. And Grant, we uh, kind of, you brought up the Pat Reeser Performing Arts Center earlier, and we kind of glossed over that. But I mean, that is. <laughs> Can can you describe this place? Because for people who might not have read our coverage or seen the photos, I mean, it's a pretty spectacular building uh, and something that really doesn't exist in any of our any of our suburban communities. Yeah, the the main auditorium, I believe, has seating for around fourteen hundred people. So it's a it's going to be a much more intimate, a theatrical experience and seeing a show in a big hall like Keller Auditorium or the Schnitz. Um, and again, just the, the range of programming in their inaugural season is kind of astonishing. Um, and that they have that many organizations that are, that are looking to take the stage there. Um, but yeah, that, that has gone up in the last few years. It's been built. Um, and I think, yeah, that the idea was, it was part of Beaverton's effort to draw people to the downtown core um, through restaurants and through entertainment options. You know, and uh, talking about that space right there, uh, one of the places I talk about in my story is Central Station Taps. And the owner uh, is a guy named Bill Buffum, who actually lives in the round. He lives, I believe, over 
uh, well, one of the buildings right there by the Reeser. And he was thinking, you know, what this spot needs is a tap room. And so he and his family looked into it and decided there was a there was an available new retail space there and opened up Central Station Taps. And it's literally right when you come, you drive your car out of the parking garage from the Reeser. And so they're they're in a prime space and they've built a beautiful little tap room that's just primed to serve all the people that will be heading toward the round now where I'm guessing there probably weren't that many going there before. It's actually it's actually fairly close to where Brennan's was and failed. <laughs> the Reeser's impacting the food scene too. Next to Central, Central Station Tap House, there's I believe there's going to be a poke place. There's a new kombucha bar across the street. Mingo, which is like I said, has been there 18 years. They added a late night menu that you can only get after days when there's a show, and they're doing burgers and tacos and things that they would never have on their normal Italian menu. And I think that's only going to continue. De Carli, another Longtime established restaurant is moving from their spot uh, in downtown Beaverton across to the other side of the Reeser where uh, there's a lot of parking. So they're going to be a pretty short walk from that performing arts venue. Uh, so like I said earlier, it's kind of a critical mass happening out there right now. Shout out to Carly, um, you know, Steve Dean, Jeff Manning, uh, myself and some other former Oregonian people. That, that would be a popular spot for post-tennis games uh, to Carly. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say... Um... You know, Michael talks about that area and Mingo and in a, in a previous story of his, which I lifted and ripped off in my beer story, he talked to Scott Lawrence, who is the founder of Breakside Brewery, who, you know, just a little no nobody brewery in, in Portland, Oregon. And uh, Lawrence was out there on a date night with his wife and was walking from Mingo to, to some other place and said he was looking around and people were smiling and happy. And he thought, wow, this is a really cool place to be. This is where I want to open up a breakside location. And so that's exactly what he did. But the sort of vibe there around Mingo and, and that whole area is what what brought that on. Okay, let's take a quick break. Then we'll come back and talk just a bit more with Andre Meunier, Michael Russell, and Grant Butler. All right, this is going to be a tough one for you all, I'm sure. But let's say you have one one night in Beaverton. You're going out tonight, Grant. What's what's on your agenda? The place I'm most excited about is the addition of top Burmese to the downtown Beaverton scene. That's because I'm a picky eater. I eat a plant-based diet, and half of their menu is absolutely vegan. So it's really easy to uh, go go someplace and find lots of options for me. I don't have to feel like dining there that uh, the, the one vegan option is the consolation prize on the menu. It's really great stuff, and I've been really impressed with the food that I've gotten from there. And then I would... Uh, wrap up my meal there, and then I'd head over and see a show at the research. Andre, same question for you. If you're heading to Beaverton tonight, what's your agenda? Well, as a beer writer, um, I think I've got to go to Loyal Legion. I mean, the, the tap list there is unbeatable pretty much anywhere in Oregon that I can think of. Um, you know, any beer you find there is going to be an excellent offering. Uh, the, the range of styles is across the board. Uh, the patio is fantastic. As Michael said in his uh, restaurant story, the smash burger is fine um, and, and it's pretty tasty. Um, once Breakside opens up its new place, that's going to give it a run for its money because it's going to have a restaurant. It's going to have a tap 
outdoor tap room that's built into an old uh, shipping cargo. It's going to have a food cart pod, a big beer garden. Uh, I can't wait to see that place. And uh, once it's up and running, that might be my first stop. And and great carts too. They're going to have well, Matt's Barbecue is already parked out there, but they're going to add, uh, I believe, Tito's Taquitos will be out there. Nice uh, uh, t- taquito spot. Um, Farmer and the Beast, which makes great salads uh, and and burgers as well, will be there. And a pretzel cart from the folks that own Please Louise, um, which is tied to uh, Breakside Brewing downtown. All right, Michael. But, but what are you hitting? Yes. What are you All hitting? Right. So – because I actually went out there like 17 times in the past month, uh, I'll tell you some of my favorites. I'd probably go to – I'll do a full day. I would go to Paris Baguette in the morning because I just yeah, saw on their website. This cheating. Day. You're not answering the question. Because <laughs> uh, I saw they added blood orange mochi donuts to their morning menu. So I'm, I'm going there for uh, blood orange mochi donuts in the morning at Cedar Hills Crossing. Uh, then I'm going to hit up Borican, which is the only Puerto Rican restaurant, uh, in Oregon, as far as I can tell. Uh, and they make great food, uh, in, at lunch, they have sandwiches, Cubanos, Medianoches. They have a sandwich called a Hibarito, which is a, a Chicago Puerto Rican mashup sandwich with, uh, fried plantains instead of bread. Uh, I'll walk across the street to Omekai and have, uh, um, a pineapple, uh, popsicle with, Flecks of chili in it. And at lunch, I'm going to hit up that uh, first street, the pedestrian plaza I mentioned. And I'm going to order some ramen from Afuri and some <laughs> uh, Korean fried chicken from First Street Pocha across the street and maybe some sushi for, for my wife. Uh, and we're going to eat it all outdoors uh, in front of a fire pit and let my kids play in the play area there. Boom. Boom. So, I mean, where does Beaverton go from here? I mean, is this like Apex or can it fit even more deliciousness? Well, I, if I can jump in, I put together a list of all the places that either opened in the past year or are opening soon. And, you know, some of those are pretty big names. I mean, Bamboo Sushi is opening their first uh, Beaverton location this year. Andre mentioned Binary Brewing. They're going to have a little burger shop in the old Beaverton Bakery space. Uh, the Breakside Cart Pod. Uh, Hapa Pizza, which is this Asian pizzeria, is opening a brick and mortar. In-N-Out Burger has been sniffing around uh, Beaverton Hillsdale Highway. Uh, there's always more Korean food. It's you know the best city for Korean food in the state. Um, and uh, Oh, the guy who owns Burger Stevens is going out there with like a sort of like throwback Italian restaurant, which should be really good. Um, there might even be a burger, but it's not going to be a smash burger. Uh, salt and straw ranch pizza. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're just going to uh, keep getting better. And of course, every big chain sort of looks to Washington County for better or worse uh, for their first place. Like uh, Jollibee, the Filipino fast food chain uh, has their eyes on um, Tannisbourne village in Hillsborough. So yeah. That's going to keep that's going to keep happening regardless of what money the city throws at restaurants. And Hillsboro, downtown Hillsboro, Andre, sorry to interrupt, but they they that's also got a bunch of new development coming in in, in downtown Hillsboro. I think an ex Novo is going down there as well, right? And I believe it's actually the same developer I mentioned earlier who owns that building, Travis Henry. Yeah, Hillsboro is getting ex Novo. It's getting Von Ebert. It's getting Steeplejack. It's it's getting everything. But uh, what I was going to mention for Beaverton is if you go a mile west, I think it's west. Um, uh, Portland Cider is opening its third tap room there as well. 
Um, Michael, you, I think you have a better sense of exactly where that is, but, you know, Portland Cider is in Clackamas. They've got their production brewery and tap room there. They've got a tap room on Hawthorne in Southeast Portland, and this will be their third. Uh, it's going to open up in June or July. I'll have a story on this coming up probably next week. Grant? I have a prediction that we're going to see a lot of action happening on Hall Boulevard. Hall Boulevard. That is a street, stretch of street that includes the research center and before the pandemic, there were a number of like old-fashioned buffets that were located there, and those have all kind of gone away. And DeCarly has moved into one of those uh, old buffet spaces. There's also the old Hall Street Grill uh, space that has a beautiful uh, uh, creekside outdoor dining area that's just waiting for someone to to snatch it up and open up a beautiful restaurant. So I think we'll see some action on that kind of sleepy part of uh Beaverton right now, uh, where there has been some restaurant action in the past, and it's just waiting to get hot again. I'll say one thing that uh, uh, could that could slow the progress out there. It's those two highways. I spent a lot of time in Beaverton the last month, and you know, just walking back and forth from where Loyal Legion is downtown over to the Reeser. You have to cross these two highways. You know, at points you can't be even on the same side. You have to cross the street to cross the highway. It's really unpleasant. And, you know, I don't even know how you fix it because there's two highways so close together. It might be two, 300 feet apart from each yeah. other. Uh, and there's a big Kia dealership right there. There's a Toyota dealership. So do you, I mean, do you build some kind of pedestrian overpass? Like, I don't even know what that looks like. It would probably be millions and millions of dollars. But for now, it's as a, as someone who walks and bikes a lot, it's very difficult to get between the two. And walking between the two is a big part of the enjoyment of visiting the the downtown area so i don't know how they fix that but to me that's the biggest hurdle facing beaverton right now well and to speak to that when i was leaving uh bg's food cartel the speakeasy there which is a great outdoor place to to get a beer um i was waiting to turn onto beaverton hillsdale i think and a car in front of me got kind of sideways trying to get into the highway changed its mind started backing up and bumped right into me. So, you know, that speaks to sort of the, the vehicular uh, mayhem that uh, could be a problem. Well, um, that's unfortunately, as Michael mentioned earlier, that's a problem that small towns across Oregon, you know, there's state highways that go through all of them. And what used to be maybe a small town on the periphery is maybe a, you know, a growing suburb <laughs> closer to closer to the action. So be careful out there. Um, lastly, you know, when is this type of thing going to happen in, say, Milwaukee or Oregon City? <laughs> Where are you sitting right now, Andrew? <laughs> I am sitting in beautiful Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee, man, they do have that downtown. I mean, Pascal Sauton opened that uh, market where he was doing dinners. That was cool. And, you know, like Gabriel Rucker from Le Pigeon lives in Milwaukee. Um, but he, he just thought Milwaukee was too close to Portland and they didn't want to cannibalize when he decided to open Kennard down in Oregon city. Yeah. Um, as we reported last week. Yeah. I think Milwaukee's tough. Uh, maybe Oregon city though. Maybe they'll pop. They've got that municipal elevator. You can ride up and down. It's pretty sweet. Lot of potential in downtown Milwaukee. All you, uh, restaurant owners <laughs> listening, lots of potential. Speaking of Breakside, I don't know what they're going to do once they they just bought a bunch of land out in Gresham. Uh, and they're planning to build a big production brewery and build a tap room out there. I don't know if they're going to abandon Milwaukee or they're going to keep it as a as a supplementary brewery uh, to 
hit their big capacity, but uh, be curious to see if you lose Breakside. That Milwaukee brewery, though, it is in Milwaukee, is pretty far from downtown, though. It's like it's way out by 205. Yeah. So, I mean, it, and it's kind of in an office park. I'm so curious to see what Breakside does in Gresham, by the way. Uh, really looking forward to that. But uh, I don't know, like downtown Milwaukee, maybe they'll feel a hit from their bottom line of their taxes that they take in, but it's not going to impact downtown. It's just too far away. Well, I guess everyone's just going to have to move to Beaverton then. Um, that's the only solution here. I basically did. Can we move into Grant's house? Come on out. <laughs> move into Grant's house. I'm sure that's fine with Grant. Great place to go on a date if uh, if you're looking for inspiration and you live in and you don't live in Beaverton, or if you do. Go downtown. There's lots to do, lots to eat. Well, thank you all for your reporting and this great package. We'll share links in the episode notes. And thanks for coming on the show to talk about it. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks. It was a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. I shared links to Andre, Michael, and Grant's stories in the episode notes. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. And tell a friend. Help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism is through a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.